Thank you guys for joining us on Facebook Live. Those who will be listening later this week on our website or on Facebook or on our YouTube channel if I put it on there. Um, it's, it's another, it's a beautiful Sunday. I mean, you think about the fact we're in September. If all we're having to do is deal with a little wind, I'm, I'm happy with this. It's a beautiful day. And it's a beautiful day that God made. And we're going to continue in our series this morning on Created for Community. I want to do a quick recap of where we've been in the first couple weeks. In week one, we discussed how from the beginning, God had created the thought process of living in community. Remember, we went to John 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. The same was with the beginning, in the beginning with God. And so even the Trinity shows us that community thought process. And then we, go, but we went back to Genesis where, where God made Adam and everything was good except the fact dude was alone. God said that's not, not good. That's the only thing he said in creation that wasn't good was that man was alone. And so what did he do? He made a partner for him. He made somebody to come alongside him, a helper that he could do life with. And so we see that. We see in Ecclesiastes, we talked about in Ecclesiastes how, you know, by ourselves we can be overtaken, but when we have two of us, we can watch each other's back, and a cord of three isn't quickly broken. You know, I equate that in some marriage counseling I've been doing this week, that guess what? You've got a husband and wife and God, and God's in the middle of the husband and wife. You try pointing at each other and start blaming each other for stuff. You're pointing at God. I ain't big enough for that one. And so I realized when I'm focused on what God wants me to become, and I actually told my son this yesterday when we were talking, when we're stronger apart, we become stronger together. Because we got two holes working together, not two halves. Because God does say that two shall become one. But it's two people who have dreams, desires, thoughts, and processes that God has placed in them. And when they combine those two, they become the one solid piece that can move forward. And that's the community we talk about. We talk about how, we talked about in that first week on how we have a tendency, even though we know we need to be in community, we have a tendency to drift towards isolation. We have a tendency to pull back when things aren't going right. We have a tendency when, you know, when I'm just not feeling good or I, I've done something I'm ashamed of or I feel guilty about something, I pull away from people and God rather than running to people and God. Now understand, please run to the right people. Remember, we talked about that. Be appropriately transparent, I like to say. And when we become appropriately transparent with people and we understand we can share things with people and it will stay with that group of people, we can now become a powerful community of prayer to watch God step in and change things. Alone, we can't do that. I mean, even the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He never said when you're off by yourself. Now, he does say he's with you. But there's power in community. There's power when we stay connected to others and we stay connected to God. And then the last thing we talked about in that first week was that there was someone out there who needs your victory. You are someone else's, remember we talked about you were someone else's smooth stone, that giant, when David took down the giant. You are somebody else's stone. Your story is going to help somebody else claim victory. And you got to be willing to share that story with people. The good, the bad, and the ugly, that is your story. 
you know, Craig Rochelle, as I was listening to one of his sermons last week, talked about how people will connect more, more to you in your defeats than in your victories. Because that's what people relate to. Now, as Christians, it's easy to go through and give those nice Christianese sayings. But they don't always help, and they don't always connect with people. Week two, we talked about how we have to have unity and diversity. Well, all were created unique by the, the Father of the creation, and he put all of us together to fit into a perfect body. And when we celebrate our weaknesses or our differences, when we celebrate those and they're focused on Christ, our differences now can become strengths because we're, well, my marriage is a great example. I am black, white, red letters tossed in. It's that simple. Christy has a worldview that can, is just, yeah, y'all met her. Um, but our differences in those two things have made us a powerful couple when it comes to ministry. Because she will be empathetic, and I'm, get over it, you big baby. Because that's my personality. Now, I have become better with listening and, and hearing from people. But Christy could sit there, and you just be talking. She's like, really? Yeah. And make them feel important. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's time to move on. And, and so together we be, we've become a good couple. But see, that's the body as well, the whole church. What your strengths are aren't mine. What your, your weaknesses are aren't your partners. And when we come together and understand that, guess what? Two left feet, you'd walk really funny, but a left and a right, you walk straight. Now, if I lose my leg, guess what? and I've created a community, I have somebody who's willing to come alongside of me and we can still walk. But if I'm by myself, I now have to work harder, don't I? The work becomes easier when we're united, when we pray and understand it's not something we do, it's who we are. When we understand worship isn't just about some songs, it's a lifestyle, it's not something we just do on Sundays. We learn to live generously for each other and for those around us, not just financially, but with our time. You know, take an extra five minutes if you see somebody struggling with something. I like to say, you know, it used to be a running joke in our house that guess what? If the dishes don't get done, ain't nobody going to die. Let's take a few minutes to sit down and figure out what's going on. See, sometimes that's all someone needs is about two minutes of your time. And so we have to slow down and live generously. And we, we have to understand we can't just do life for an hour on Sunday mornings. We have to get into each other's life all the time. We have to break out of our comfort zone and get into each other's lives. And then we celebrate our diversity. We don't try to hide it from people. I'm willing to bet not one of you here would raise your hand if God asked you if you wanted to be like me. That's a definition of diversity, ain't it? You all are unique. God created you uniquely for a purpose. But in that purpose, it's for his glory and for what he wants. And when he fits the body together, it becomes a moving organism that can grow. Today, we're going to talk about food. Exactly. See, the title of today's message is Let's Eat. Did you know if you do a quick word search in the Bible... If you, if you look, try to look up the word food or something similar around food, it is listed over 1,800 times. 
I told you a, a year or so ago in one of my messages, Jesus loves parties. I might, the, the parable of the lost sheep. He comes back, they throw a party. The parable of the lost coin. They find it, they throw a party. See, Jesus liked getting together with people and hanging out. In fact, if you read the story of Jesus, the Pharisees and the churchy people all said, he's a sinner because he hangs out with all these sinners eating at their table. Jesus spent, I mean, if you read through the New Testament, Jesus spent a lot of time eating with people. It kind of is different than how we look at life normally, ain't it? I got to get home. And I've done that, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we also have to understand that the power of eating together, the power of breaking bread, is one of the blessings of the Bible. See, when we look at today's scripture that we're going to go into in Luke 7, we're going to look at that. I've, I've preached on this message or on this scripture before, but I want to hit it a little bit differently today. But when scripture says, man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, was he saying that we shouldn't eat together? No, he's saying that shouldn't be more important than you're listening for what God has to say. Now, if I get around other Christians and they challenge me, what happens? My word grows inside of me. I'm not, I'm not basing my life on what I can eat. See, if you turn in your Bible to Luke 7, and while you're getting there, I'm just going to set the scene up quickly for you. The narrative of this story is you have a religious leader, leader who invites Jesus to dinner. Now, the Pharisee was the kind of person who knew everything. He knew the law. He knew the rules, and he invited Jesus over to dinner. And then in the middle of dinner, this sinful woman hears that Jesus is coming and she crashes the party. Okay, she just shows up. She falls at Jesus' feet. She starts to cry and she starts to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and she dries them with her hair. She breaks open a jar of perfume and pours it out on Jesus. She creates a huge scene in this, during this dinner time. I mean, even in today's society, if you think about it, somebody broke into your house and did that, you all be looking at it like, what is wrong with this person? Just being honest, they messed with your dinner party. You had everything set up just right. And now this weirdo comes in. She wasn't supposed to be there. I was, I'm honestly, I wasn't supposed to be here this morning. But by the grace of God, I'm here. Same for you. If we would have had our way, I don't think any of us would have planned on a Sunday morning to get up early to be out here. But by the grace of God, he's called us together, and we're here. Just like this woman, she's there. At this in, as this interaction starts to place, take place, it causes a stir. It's scandalous. The people are watching. But what we see is a woman who had experienced pain, shame, and guilt of her sins comes in with gratitude to Jesus. She treats him with the highest level of hospitality, you could show in that day. Now we see that same thought process the night of Jesus' betrayal when he chose to become a servant to his disciples and wash their feet. He's like, you're right to call me teacher. You're right to understand this is who I am, but if you cannot become a servant to all, can you really follow me, he's asking. Do we think we're better 
And Jesus is saying we better not. And if we jump to verse 39 in this story, it says, when the Pharisee who had invited his invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts and said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. See, what I want you to understand in this story is you see three things going on in this story, just these these few verses here. The first thing you see in this story is the woman shared the pain through her praise. As she came in, she didn't care what other people were thinking, didn't care what other thought. She knew Jesus was there, and she wanted to give him praise for the pain she was going through. Why? Because he had relieved that pain. He had given her hope. He looked at her on the road and said, guess what? Your sins are forgiven. And she, her pain was slowly starting to dissipate. The Pharisee in this story decided to judge her. But after hearing what Jesus said through that story, he had a change of perspective. See, his perspective changed saying, guess what? Okay, I, I'm starting to understand. Yes, I know what's right, but haven't always done it. This woman's gone through a lot of stuff. And Jesus, in the process of all of this, is saying, guess what? I came for both of you. I didn't come just for her. I came for you as well because you're both sinners. So we see pain, pain peace, or perspective and peace. Because you jump to verse 50, it says, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, sometimes we're going to walk through some pain. And as I said last week or the week before, sometimes you got to praise through to get a breakthrough. And you praise through the pain. You thank God through the pain that he's never left you. You understand that God says, guess what? I will never leave you or forsake you, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We fear no evil. Why? Because God is walking with us. We don't say <laughs> that saying that's going around now, facts don't care about your feelings. Well, the fact is Jesus died for me. What I feel about that really doesn't matter because the fact is I can accept it or reject it. So when we go to this, and Jesus in the middle of this interaction flips the script on everybody, when he changes their perspective and says, I've come for both of you, what he does in the process of that and what he does for us in the process of us coming to Jesus is he starts to help us see ourselves differently. We no longer see ourselves for the mistakes we've made, but we see ourselves by the promises he's gave. He said, guess what? You are my son. You're my daughter. I'm praying last night about some stuff, and I'm asking God his, his thought process on this and what should I do. And one of the questions I asked um, I'm not going to tell you the question because you guys don't want to know what I'm praying about half time. But I asked the question, and, and he's like, yes. And I'm like, why? And the answer, because I, I always learn if I want to hear God's voice, I ask follow-up questions. 
I don't just say, okay, fine, whatever. I say, really? Okay, so why did you answer that that way? You know, when, when I ask God, do you love me? And he says, yes. I, if I hear a no, guess what? I'm still going to follow with a follow-up question. Why not? Well, when I hear yes, the first time I did this, I'm just going to give you an example. I, asked, I said, okay, God, why do you love me? And he's like, because of your zeal for my son. I'm like, okay, that's from God. That wasn't from me. That wasn't from my, my heart. That wasn't from what I think. That's, and so I start asking follow-up questions and saying, okay, what does the Bible say? And does it match up with God's word? And when I'm listening for what God has to say, if it doesn't line up with his word, then it's not true. Because God's never going to contradict his word. And so you, when you're getting an answer and you're not sure if it's from God or you think it's just your mind kind of telling you things, start asking follow-up questions. Start having a conversation and interaction with God. I know some of y'all looking at me like I'm weird. Yes, God will talk to you. He's a father. It's what he does. And so he, he changes our perspective. He changes our value when we understand we're forgiven. And he changed the Pharisees' perspective in this story of understanding what true grace and forgiveness was. It wasn't about following the rules. It was about following Jesus. So we look at this story, and the question I have to ask to you is, where does this story happen? It happens over a meal. This whole thing is happening during dinner. They're sitting down, and they're doing life together. See, we weren't des designed for isolation. We we're wired for connection. And if, for you guys that were out here with us last week when we had our barbecue, it's just a little bit different, ain't it, than sitting at home by yourself and eating. You feel a little bit better. You have a little bit more fun. If you've ever had barbecues or bonfires at your house, why do you have them and invite people over? Because you crave that connection. You crave that togetherness. That's how we are designed. We're designed to connect with each other. See, food is one of the major ways all around the world that people connect. This one guy did a study on it, and I, I pulled his, his statistics out. And he, he, he basically had a sermon and called it Beans and Rice, um, talking about uh, ha eating together. Because if you look at it, rice is a, is a carbohydrate, right? And beans are a fiber. Together, they're okay. Together, in fact, some people really like them. But you start combining rice and beans together, as he looked at the study, and what it does is it creates a complete protein put together. And what does protein do? It gives you fuel. It builds muscle. It strengthens you. This, this combination will give you all nine essential amino acids. And see, when we come together as the body of Christ, that's what Jesus is doing to us. He's saying, I'm going to give you strength when you come together. I'm going to give you support when you come together. I'm going to build you when you come together. Because see, when you follow Jesus, he takes your uniqueness, your life experiences, and he will bring people into your life with their uniquenesses and their life experiences, and together you are better, and together you become stronger. How many of you guys like the fact Sean and I didn't have come up to lead worship? It's okay. You're not going to offend me one bit. I am very excited because he brought their strengths up and added to the strengths that I have, 
and made us stronger. And he's bringing people in alongside them now with their strengths. And this is what God does, and this is what's really cool, and this is why you guys should get excited about what he's doing. Because he takes your strengths. What you think are weaknesses, guess what? God says, I'm made perfect in your weaknesses, but I give you strengths for a reason. Use them. I'm not a big fan of those speakers that say work on your weaknesses and they can might become your strengths one day because if they're not your strengths now, they probably never will be. Yes, try to get them at least to level, but they're never going to be a strength. So we take the strengths God's given us, let him become perfect in our weakness, and we become stronger. See, when we come together, when we grow together, and it, and when you're first saved, you see it, and it, we can see it now as we started praying for some things and started trying to make some changes and started moving forward with some stuff. We have an enemy whose whole job is to come to ste- steal, kill, and destroy. See, Christ came to give life. Our enemy wants to keep us in death, and he will lie to us. He will convince us we're not good enough. He will convince us this church can't do anything. He will try to convince us through other people. And my favorite saying is, bite me. Jesus has already won. I don't know if that's right or not, but that's me. Christy's got a t-shirt that says, not today, Satan. You know, some of y'all got to be walking around saying that when you start getting attacked. Not today, Satan. Jesus got my back. And you keep stepping. We get excited about what God does. The enemy tries to convince us it's not good enough. And we say, you're right. It's not good enough, so why should I work so hard at it? Because somehow we thought we get to decide what's good enough. When Jesus says what? Be faithful. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to do a bunch of things. And when we experience the fullness of life by finding the right people to walk alongside of us, three things happen. The first thing that happens is we learn to pass the salt. I took these points from someone else. What does salt do? It enhances flavor, right? Mixed with water, it actually heals. It has healing properties. See, we all have pain in this life, but you need the right people in your life to share your pain with so you can heal together. You're called to be salt. And so we learned to, we learned to work together. In verse 38 in our story, the sinful woman shared her pain. She cried. She wept at the feet of Jesus. Other people saw it. She didn't care, but Jesus was there. That's why Jesus was there, and he was there for her. Today, I want you to know you might be walking through some stuff, but Jesus is here for you. Psalm 34, 18 says Jesus, or, yeah, Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. Revelation 21, 4 says he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. Until we get to heaven, we're all going to face pain and suffering, and God uses others to walk with us to help us heal together, to carry each other's burdens. So challenge today, number one, is try to be salt for somebody else. See, as Christians, and that's where I think that Story comes from when salt loses its saltiness, it's, no, it's worthless and just needs to be thrown out and trampled under the pig's hooves. I think a lot of times as Christians, we come, become so comfortable with what God's been doing, we've lost our ability to enhance someone else's life because we're trying to hang on to our own. We need to help other people. We need to help other people heal. 
Because the second thing that happens is you start to taste the difference when you're in the right group of people. Life is done better when we share with people who have similar interests, but it gets really exciting when we start hooking up with people who don't think like us. Doesn't it? They challenge the way you think. They challenge what you believe a lot of times. Too often as Christians, we try to say, don't go here, don't go there, stay away from this kind of people, but those were the very kind of people Jesus hung out with. Now, I will say this. It does warn us in the Proverbs that bad character will corrupt good. So if your main people you hang out with aren't the right people, guess what? No matter how much you want to help them, you will get sucked into their life. Help them get out. Get around other people who are going to assault you again and strengthen you again and heal you again so you can go back in. See, the current temperature in our society can feel like if you're different, you're a threat. If you don't think like I do, you're wrong. If you don't agree with me, you're against me. If you don't support me, then you must hate me. That's our current culture temperature. Now, somewhere along the line, we lost the fact that just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean I don't like you. We no longer see differences as being just, guess what? We can agree to disagree. It's we're going to disagree to disagree. And if you don't agree, then I'm going to disagree because you're wrong. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.8, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. He says, do life with others who look, live, and think differently than you. When we do life with others who are different, we gain new perspectives, we gain new understandings. We learn how to have sympathy and empathy for people our life honestly will become better. But the key to that goes back to last week. you got to stay connected with God because there are eternal truths that no matter how right something sounds, if it doesn't line up with Jesus, it's wrong. Doesn't mean we can't have discussions. And there are certain truths I stand on and will not move because God said them, and I can, if they're my thoughts. They can be moved. But I'm going to share that never in a way that's offensive to people. I want to share God's grace, truth, and love in a way that draws people to him. Because guess what? He came for both of us. And I have to remember that when I'm talking with people. A divided world really today, what it needs most is a united church. Our lives are better when we do life with other Christ followers who are different than us. <laughs> and this was our song we were talking about. They will know we are Christians by our love. Um, as we were talking about that this morning at our meeting on Thursday, John 13, 35 says that. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And the third thing we need to do, as this, this guy said, is savor the flavor. Psalm 34.8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. See, right now, we're all 
full of worry, full of fear, full of doubt, living constantly stressed out, living constantly freaked out. The enemy's constantly telling us to stay hidden. The enemy is telling us not to open up because they're going to judge you. And Jesus is saying, when you share your pain, you'll gain some perspective. You'll get some healing. In the context of godly relationships, when the storms of life come, you can still experience his peace. But that is staying connected to the Father. Because here's the truth for all of you this morning. Right now, you are either coming out of a storm or you're getting ready to go into one. That's life. Jesus says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That is a promise from God. Because see, we see in the end of the story, Luke 7:50, she shared her pain. The Pharisee gained perspective, and Jesus told her and looked at her and said, Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. So that is really my challenge for you this morning. Can you walk out of here this morning with Jesus' peace? No matter what's going on. Because in this story, we see three characters. Two of them we get to be like. We get to choose. The Pharisee, we can walk out of here this morning and say, I've got it all together. My life's not that bad. I know my scriptures. I can quote them to people and tell them where they're wrong. But see, today some of us need a different point of view. We need to understand that Jesus came for us. We need to understand that we're sinners. We have been saved by grace and we are now saints, yes. But until I get to heaven, I ain't perfect. The other person we get to be like is that sinner. Where she walks in and says, I'm broken. I need grace. I need forgiveness. But most of all, Jesus, I need peace. Like the other story that when I talk about this that comes to mind all the time is the Pharisee and the, ta- and the tax collector sinner in the, in the temple. And the Pharisee's right up front screaming out, thank you, God, that I am not like them people. Thank you that I don't act like them. I don't do what they do. I know the rules. I pray every day. I do what I'm supposed to do. I sing my three songs at the beginning of service, but no more or no less because it got to only be three because that was that's by you. I am so playing right now. But you guys are getting the point, right? How many of you guys ever prayed like that? Or I had somebody ask you, how's it going? Well, I'm not as bad as they are. I haven't been doing what they are doing. And we see this tax collector, and this is me most often at night on Sunday nights. I can't, I, I'm like, God, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, Paul, oh, what a wretched man am I. God, I suck. I don't even know why you use me for this. And this is where he starts talking to me. He says, because you're my son. And I'm like, yeah, I'm your son, but what does that mean? And, I, and it says, I love you. I'm like, but why do you love me? Because you understand why Jesus came for you and you want to see people set free. Yeah, but how does that help me, God? Because you're helping others. And see, so you have this conversation with God and he starts talking to you. And he starts saying, guess what? In the midst of all this, this right here is the key, the community of believers. Because by myself, I could share that. But you all got the same story. And God wants to meet you where you're at. Jesus came and died on a cross for your sins and my sins. Jesus said, 
everything old has passed away. All things have become new when you believe in me and you put me first. And so as we finish off this morning, it's going to be a little bit different because the challenge is, is I want you to walk out of here this morning with peace. Peace over illness, peace over sickness, peace over your jobs, peace over your school, peace over your kids. Don't limit this peace. Because remember, God says, I can give you more than you could ask or even imagine. So just ask. And so whatever you're walking through this morning, I want you to take a moment and pray for peace in that storm. And then let Jesus show up and give you peace. Quit hanging on to it. I found out, and I shared this before, where I am the most insecure in my relationships is the places I trust God the least because I think I have to control them. What you worry about the most is where you trust God the least. So we're going to trust God and receive his peace this morning.